Quest Gaming Network presents Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Elder Scrolls Off the Record. I am your host, Ivarwin, and we got a great show up for you today. Today is Turdos, Sun's Dusk the 21st, and we're going to be discussing quite a few things on the show today. Thank God that the uh, the news the newsreel for, for good old Elder Scrolls Online and, and Elder Scrolls in general has, has picked up quite a bit. Uh, one of our first uh, discussions we're going to be talking about today is the interactive map of Tamriel. And then we're going to talk about the Skyrim Minecraft mashup mod, which had debuted this week. And of course, the Ask Us Anything Variety Pack 11, which had uh, come out this week as well. Uh, Lou will be presenting this week uh, the Faiths of Tamriel in the Elder Scroll. And of course, we'll have your dev question of the week and your emails. Now, I certainly am not going to do this alone. I am joined by my fantastic hosts, the Lore Master himself, Lewis, the Lore Master Olan. Hello, Ivarwin. Hey, Chatroom. What's going on, everyone? What's going on, dude? Same old. Same old. I'm, Same I'm old totally. Video. It's Elder Scrolls Night. I'm totally yes. stoked about your your uh, your topic today on the Elder Scroll. Oh, and I can't wait to get to it. Look at ah, all this. I may have to break it up to other parts, though. Pretty big. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, we have Dave the Mighty, <laughs> who apparently has a new Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Rubber Shank loves Argonians. Yeah. Yeah. And, hey, everybody. <laughs> and speaking of which, we have Shank Tank, who apparently destroyed the share button on his PlayStation 4. Hello, people of the internet and uh, podcasting community at large. Uh, I have destroyed the share button, and uh, I hate you, Dave. Yeah, those of you who, who follow Shank on Twitter, you know that he has completely destroyed the share button. <laughs> but we're not alone. We've got we've got a huge chat room filled with people today. Thank you so much, chat room, for, for coming in, and we hope to hear you guys chiming in about all of the different discussion topics we're going to have today on the show. Um, but first, we have something quick to mention, and and I will hearken, hearken back to David Dianforce Atoms. Dave, tell us about what we have in our quick to mention segment today. Absolutely. First up in the quick to mention is a new round of beta invites went out for Lucky Jerks uh, this week, and this is the largest population in closed beta to date. Congrats to everyone who made it in. Please remember to create your new beta account and download the client before the st stated time slash date that the beta begins. 
Remember, uh, if you have previously played because you're ridiculously lucky, I recommend personally to re- remove the, your all of your previous download and download fresh every time. Don't just update. It's that's, beta. Bugs happen. That's right. That is right. We are we are getting very very close now to the launch of the game, which is going to be you know they said spring of next year. Um, that's at its furthest. Five months away, maybe? Not that far. Not that far, right? Yep. Grats, new beta testers. Uh, Y'all suck. (laughs) (laughs) Also this week, in Bethesda news, not really ESO, but Bethesda, Fallout 4 was registered and discovered on the website for the Office for Harmonization in the Internal Markets, which is the official trademark office for the European Union. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. Fallout Four. I'm hey, excited. you know, I mean, we're we're uh, we always say we're we're an Elder Scrolls show. We're not a Bethesda show, but but so many so many Elder Scrolls fans are Fallout fans, and um, I know that I was extremely excited to hear of the, the possibility. Because I mean, what does this really mean? It means that you know, if it is actually true that that Bethesda has in fact trademarked uh, Fallout Four, that we're we're close to something, some kind of Fallout Four announcement. Not that we're close to the game, but some kind of announcement. Hopefully by E three, you know, of next year, we'll get something on this, and that excites me because I I really love those those Fallout games. What do you yeah. say about this, Lou? Yeah, I mean, I really hope it is true and, you know, that, that there is some merit behind this because, like you and a lot of folks here, I'm a huge Fallout fan. You know, I love playing the games, you know, some more than others, but, you know, Fallout 4 has so much stuff to do in it and it's been around for so long, over so much, so many hours of enjoyment. Come on, I, I would still play it <laughs> if I could. But so many games, a little time. Yeah, I I agree. Um and and our chat room, of course, you know, we just want to throw out a, a thank you and a welcome to so some of the brand new faces uh, that are in the chat room. So if you are new here today, uh, great to have you. Thanks for for coming in. Um, okay, so so this week this week we actually got some really cool stuff that came that came directly out of Zenimax. And one of one of the cool things is this this interactive map of Tamriel. Uh, now, on Wednesday, November 20th, Zoss really revealed a uh, brand new feature on their site, the interactive map of Tamriel. Uh, the map looks like a basic political relief map of Tamriel with color-coordinated sections for the Daggerfall Covenant, Altmeri Dominion, and the Ebonheart Pact. However, the map allows you to click on these colored areas, zooming into the respective regions further, and then giving the user access to more information on specific locations in those regions giving great lore items like new screenshots and even character journals. Now, ZeniMax had this to say about their new interactive map, and I quote, You can view the map right now to see screenshots and concept art and to read journals, excerpts from books, conversations overheard at taverns, and more from the world of ESO. We'll be expanding the map in the future, so keep checking back for more. Don't forget to tell us which ones are your favorites on Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter. We can't wait to see what you think, end quote. Uh, the map can be found at elderscrollsonline.com. However, for our fantastic YouTube watchers, we have it right here for you. Well, look at this. 
So basically how this works is the um, you pop the map open, and all the little colored areas, with the exception of Cyrodiil right now, uh, you can sort of click on and see a little bit more information on this stuff. So uh, let's let's start with, just for example, the Rift. Let's get into that, which is obviously in uh, a portion of Skyrim. It opens up, you know, the Rift, as you know it, from Skyrim. And they give you these little icons that you can mouse over and click on individually. Now, if you notice, there's this little chest here at the very bottom. If you click on that, you get a new screenshot that has never been seen before um, or released from, from ZeniMax. And that little that little that little uh, chest there, you, you see it on all different types of uh, of these maps. Uh, let's click on the uh, the Ebonheart Pact banner here, and you see that's got a little a little piece of lore, which this says uh, posted outside the barracks at Windhelm. Uh, it's an enlistment poster, which is you know really kind of fun and, and unique. That's what I really like about this. Uh, again, if you go into let's let's say uh, let's say Stormhaven over here in the Daggerfall Covenant, you know, again here's another here's another little chest. Click on that and get some some cool little pieces of info. Um, as I sort of derp around with this thing on on the uh, on the stream, let's uh, let's start with uh, let's start with Lou on this. What, since you're the lore master, man, why, what do you think? I think it's great, and I can't wait to come to Emperor so I can start gerrymandering these political sites. Oh, oh <laughs> oops. <laughs> you said bo- political relief map? All right, how can I gerrymander these these areas? <laughs> Keep my party in power. <laughs> Shank, you're, uh, you're, you're definitely, I would imagine, someone that could keenly appreciate this this type of thing. What, what do you think? That's... Yeah, uh, if you guys were watching, I was like nodding profusely when I, when you were showing this on the the stream here. Um, this is awesome, as you know, uh, chat room and internet. I never really fast travel except for that one time I was peer pressured into doing it. I cried, <laughs> and I don't really use a horse. Oh, that um, was a wild night, man. That was a wild night. That was yeah. Let's not yeah. That's that's <laughs> never happened. So. Shakes special party night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I I look at this and I it's really cool because I feel like in both of the games that I've played, Skyrim and Oblivion, and especially Oblivion, I feel like I have a very very intimate knowledge of the map and location and geography and locations of places in the world. And seeing something like this, which is actually interactive, um, and especially um, I, I noticed two things. One, the Rift. I really liked the Rift and uh, also East March because just from an artistic style, it looks like, and Navarre, when you, when you clicked the chest there, mm-hmm. um, if you can bring that up real quick on the stream, when you click the chest there, the first thing I noticed was that uh, the, the birch tree. Now, why is the birch tree important? Well, because if you actually play Skyrim, it's full of these birch trees. So they got the feeling of that location down like really, really well. And also... If we zoom back out and look at Tamriel at large, notice the the giant green swath in the middle, Cyrodiil. Yeah, that get, that indicates to me the playable area of Cyrodiil for the PvP. And from what they've said regarding locations and playable area in Cyrodiil, that seems fairly accurate. And that's a pretty big chunk. I mean, you're talking about like the West Weald over into a bit of the Colovian Highlands, definitely the Geralds, and just barely the base of the Ballast Mountains. So that's that's a pretty nice chunk there. So 
just from a cartography standpoint, I can really appreciate that. It's really nice. What about you, Dave? I'm excited because of how much isn't lit up. Right? Yeah. That tells me that there's that much area that they have to play with, to add in, to make future expansions. That's what caught my eye right off the bat. Yeah, I I definitely would have to agree with that. Definitely would have to agree with it. Um, So when Shank runs to the invisible wall, because they, I can't go, I can't go any further. Shank, that's because they hadn't developed that part of the game yet. <laughs> you know, you know that's going to happen, and you guys are going to get texts, and it's literally just going to be like a me just crying in the text. Just <laughs> like, raging. no, yeah. Shank, did you seriously just walk everywhere for twelve hours? Yes. Yes. Hit <laughs> a wall. What am I going to do? Oh, I got a little picture here of East March up as well. Very, very cool. Uh, chat rooms weighing in. Crispy Crackers says sexiest map ever. Oh yeah. East I March. I wonder do they have Windhelm in East March? They should. Yeah, Windhelm should be part of East March, I believe. No, it is. It's the capital, but I'm not seeing it on the map probably for a good reason actually. I don't People are asking in chat if uh each one is roughly the size of Skyrim. If you look, the Rift and East March are both parts of Skyrim. In fact, I believe they represent, if you put them together, they represent pretty much the entire east part of Skyrim. But there is a full west part of Skyrim that is not represented by the the coloration of this map. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, what this, do you have any... Yeah. What this looks like to me is this is part of the playable area that you're going to get at launch. I don't know if they, they intend on... And I... I I don't know if they intend on, you know, uh, putting more area in this map here. Um, and if we're going to be able to to play play that area that they put in on the map, you know, by launch. But, I mean, this, this looks like there is a tremendous amount to expand into, you know. And, I mean, you know, all of you guys know that I am going to walk every single square inch of this <laughs> seriously like i i this what i see is like is there's a lot of places to walk <laughs> yeah great great 23 is saying why developers cry into their pillows at night <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> because they're like there's not enough content we can't just make infinite area <laughs> oh yeah cuz i'm i'm a player that's like you there's like no such thing as infinite area. <laughs> it's a it's a good point <laughs> Got a crate 23 in the chat room is, is saying, uh, shoot, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I tried uh, saying it earlier. Darn. Kyle is saying adventure zones better be huge. <laughs> that's right. Very cool. All right. So that's it guys. Uh, double check, you know, go, go check this out. It's, it's definitely a lot of fun. Uh, obviously you can see what this looks like if you're checking out the YouTube um, however, if you're not there and, if it, and you're listening to the podcast, we definitely recommend, you know, to check this out because it's, it's a lot of fun to see exactly, you know, what's, what's going on here. It's fun to check out all these little lore objects. Uh, if me, my favorite part are these, these screenshots. I love these. The game looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, uh, speaking of gorgeous, there's a lot of direct X 11 I'm seeing in there. <laughs> <laughs> that I may or may not have written about. Just saying. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Um, Dave. Dave, why don't you why don't we go into discussion point number two here? No. 
No, not going to happen. <laughs> okay, fine. Since you put my arm up behind my shoulder blades. Uh, discussion point two is the Skyrim Minecraft mashup that debuted this week, as reported by Brian Armstrong on our site at ElderScrollsOffTheRecord.com. Shameless plug. He says, as we've reported earlier this month on ElderScrollsOffTheRecord.com. Shameless plug. A Skyrim and Minecraft mashup was in the works for the Xbox 360 and is available as of 11.20. Gamers can now log on to the Xbox Live Store and pick up the Minecraft add-on for $3.99. He also pulled this directly from the Beth blo- Bethesda blog, and here's what they can you can expect to find in the mashup. You can expect a Skyrim-themed texture set to apply to any existing or newly created Minecraft world. 40, 40 Skyrim character skins to apply to players' in-game avatars. That's awesome. 40. Skyrim-themed menus, UI, and inventory, including integrated Skyrim logos. Skyrim music scores featuring a ton of... Of original tracks. There's like, what, 20 of them in there? Jesus. Hmm. Pre-made world. Recreating the area of Whiterun, Riverrun, and Bleak Falls Barrow on a smaller scale in order to fit with the technological restraints of the game's map size limits. Okay. Has, um... Has anyone tried any of this at all? I mean, I know it just debuted this week. Oh, man, I would if it was on the PC, like this exact one. Yeah. But I don't have a 360 to play it on or else I would. But, oh, my God, I've I've watched this. I've seen screenshots. Bleak Falls looks amazing. Wow. It's just beautiful. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely um, it's it's a nice it's a nice little thing to have, you know. Uh, Skyrim's been out for two years now, and it still it still strikes a chord with uh, with gamers. It's still massively popular, and to see that you know something like this is coming out as a as an actual mod for for Minecraft is is a lot of fun. You know, it's definitely cool. Uh, again, it's you know it's uh, three ninety nine um, on the Xbox three sixty uh, store, so. Uh, if you're into Minecraft and you're into Skyrim, this is a must-win for you. I, it's a must-buy and it's a, it's a it's a huge win. Shank, you're not you're not into really uh, Minecraft, uh, but I mean, with with this kind of thing, I mean, does this does this make you want to get Minecraft or or is this just eh, you know? Honestly, no. It's it's like meh because I I've played Skyrim so much and I'm so intimately like aware of everything that's in the game. I feel like if I tried to play almost like another version, I'm putting, I mean, air quotes right here, another version of the game, it would, I would, I would have to subconsciously be comparing it to what I've played in Skyrim, the proper standalone version. So I I don't want to be, I don't want to like be in that position. So I, I'm just going to stick with uh, my tried and true Skyrim on my PC. Okay. Lou, how do you feel about this? What are your thoughts? I think it's pretty cool the fact that they're actually allowing this and, and it's actually happening. And it's a good thing too because, you know, a lot of people play Minecraft. I don't. I'm not one of them, unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know, I've seen what Quest Gaming has done with Minecraft on the servers, you know, and 
it looks amazing. And the fact that now you can build your own Skyrim world in Minecraft. You know, who's, you know, I think Dave would probably recreate uh, Blackreach in there if he could. <laughs> oh, probably the game would probably say, map size limit reach. What are you doing, fool? No. Yeah, yeah, y'all have seen some of my builds in Minecraft before. I've reached map limits. You know? Yeah, so I think this is a great idea. I hope they do more with it. You know, maybe an Oblivion theme. That'd be pretty cool, too. Morrowind. Ah, oh, can you imagine? Hmm. Uh, Dave, anything else? Um, no, I'm just... I really hope they, they take the moment and think and say, hey, we'd like to also offer this to PC players because... I get that it's it's very easy to build something for the Xbox 360 because it does have it's a smaller version of the game. It's not it actually is like it's it's a lot smaller. You you, you can't have as humongous worlds as you can on the PC. But honestly, if they put this out on the PC, they're going to get my 4 bucks. Yeah, I sort of agree with that. As um, as a person who who has you know played a lot of Minecraft in the past, um, I, this this does interest me. Uh, though I I don't have Minecraft for the 360. Any, it's not some I I played a version of it on the 360, and I don't like Minecraft on the console. I think it's you know horribly stripped down to what is actually on the PC. That said, um, I definitely agree with you, Dave. If this came out on the PC. And it can't be a difficult port. I mean, they're both Microsoft products, right? I mean, my operating system is obviously Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. Take some doing to... Yeah. Yeah, it would take some doing. Because mm. you'd have to build it out, everything... I don't know. You wouldn't have to build it by hand, per se, but you'd have to have somebody go in and recreate everything on the PC. Yeah, it's Power PC it's versus x86. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a different architecture. To, to, to oh, do. see, I thought it would be it'd be the same... Same architecture. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. All right. Don't get me and Dave going, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any event, um, the uh, <laughs> Ask Us Anything Variety Pack 11 uh, has, has come out this week as well, and I'd like to uh, start talking about some of these as well. Um, so I guess our first, our first question here from the Ask Us Anything comes from uh, Ando Amarnan. And he asks, uh, when entering a campaign with your guild, is there a number of members that are allowed to join after the limit of players within the campaign has been reached? Dave. Says, yes, campaigns feature a soft cap to limit the number of participants from one alliance. There's room for overflow that will allow you to join your friends or guild members in an otherwise full campaign. But eventually, there's a hard limit to that as well. You'll be able to join campaigns with your friends, but we want to ensure that an alliance can't bring too many additional combatants in and hurt the overall balance. I guess that makes sense. What do you think about this, Dave? Well, it's a good point. It's... The, but they're thinking about the player. They're saying that just because a campaign started doesn't mean that you can't play with your friends, unlike, oh, every other MMO ever. Um, but 
they're also saying that gets to a point. There's a point that that would mess up the game because of too many people on one of the three teams. You would have just an overflow of people, and and that's not a good thing. You want it to be balanced. But, I mean, you have a little bit of, of way to give because how many is 20, 30 people going to hurt more on one side when you have... 2,000 people on each of the, the, the teams. Right. Just throwing out numbers. I don't know the exact numbers that they have. Well, so, yeah, of course. But then again, I'll be quoted like 12 times from saying that. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, any other thoughts? Lou? Shank? Got nothing. Nothing? Well, I mean, uh, I really wish, I mean, I understand what they're trying to do. You know, make it so like you know campaigns are viable. You know, so that uh, allowing players to actually join their friends and play a campaign. However, I'm also the type of you know uh, I really want an open world campaign. Meaning, if there are currently fifty thousand people on the on the mega server, theoretically all fifty thousand people can be in PvP. Could be in Serial saying we're going to kick some butt. Mm-hmm. You know, from all three factions in there. Um, but you know, I'm also trying to understand the technical limitations they have, and I guess the same thing of you know having twenty thousand people trying to fight at once <laughs> would probably blow up the server. But uh, at least here they're saying you know what if you you know if you're only on for a couple hours a night you can still join your friend's campaign or your guild in their campaign, you know, and not have to worry about being left out because oh by the way the limit's been set, you know, so you know you don't feel left out that night, you know, or you know, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Um, this next question we're gonna uh, we're actually gonna throw out to to Lou as well, and uh, this one is by Fane, who asks: I remember you guys saying that you can have both a first name and a surname. Will you also take into consideration allowing a fixed list of prepositions or middle names, or do you think it's too much? Characters like. Meow the lioness and Argonians have multi-word names. <laughs> to which Sauce answers, you can use more than one space in your character name. So the examples you picked are all viable. In fact, the current limit is a maximum of four hyphens, apostrophes, or spaces in total. So you can come up with all kinds of names, like Nien, the Tergoral. This should be especially convenient for players who want lore-based names for the Argonian, Shank, or Khajiit. Right, right. <laughs> Shank loves this. Shank hands his head in shame. Shank, what are you going to name your Argonian? Nothing, because he'll be dead. <laughs> I think that would fit, actually. <laughs> Nothing, because he'll be dead. He'll be you dead. can put infinite spaces, so you'll be fine with that name. Yeah. On, on Lou. As as a guy who spends a lot of time on on name and character creation, what does this say to a person like you? Uh, first role play factor, it's it's a boon. It is a great boon because for people who, who actually get into the characters, who actually come up with you know little player bios for themselves and such, it it will give them another avenue to fully express themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first, like, if I may harken back to another game, like when I first played uh, EverQuest 1, okay, um, or even Dark Age of Camelot, okay, when you first created a character, all you got was a first name. 
because part of the lore was you had to earn your surname, meaning you had to prove to your faction, like to your guild or your class, that you were worthy of a last name. So, you know, for, for DAOEC, I think it was level 20, you actually had to go to your guild or go to the city hall and say, you know what, I've reached this level. I've now earned the right to call myself by a last name. You know, so think of the role-playing factors in that. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and the fact that, you know, too, it won't allow it'll allow people, you know, who maybe come up with the same name. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. It would, it would definitely uh, help to, to differentiate that a little bit. Yeah, uh, exactly. And it gives players a chance to do that, you know. So you don't have to say, you know, we won't see a VAR in 1001. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or, or someone shamelessly taking away Mr. Slobeau in all right. different formats just to piss off Liz. Yeah, I would do that. do that. I would you do that. joke, but I already have that prepped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave, man, that is that is an evil thing wow. to do. Send all hate mail to Dave. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, to or Liz should just put a head out on Dave. <laughs> yeah. Agent Forty Seven is coming for you. Oh yeah. All right. Next question. Uh, I've played many multiplayer games, and ninety nine percent of them eventually plagued. With the same enjoyment, enjoyment killing problem. What is that problem? Kill stealing. You oh know. yes. <laughs> Strike a nerve, guys. <laughs> no. No idea. You know, jerks who like to go into areas where people are farming or trying to level and kill steal them relentlessly. Does ESO have a plan to implement something to prevent this? From Emily. Shank the tank. That's, I'm not going to lie, that, that kill stealing actually sounds kind of fun. Um, anyway, Zoss replies. You're, you're a troll. Yes, I am. You're a H, dirty Zoss, troll. Yep, Zoss replies. <laughs> fighting the enemies of your alliance, NPCs as well as PCs, should have something every aspiring hero jumps at the... Should be something every aspiring hero jumps at the opportunity to do. We don't intend to limit helpful behavior in Tamriel by lowering the experience or loot you can take away from a hard-fought victory. If you help someone kill an enemy he is already engaged with, all you can do is take away some of the pride he might have felt by winning the fight on his own. He'll still receive the full amount of experiences and loot. If you did enough damage or provided enough support, you might get some experience and loot of your own too. And if the two of you decide to group together, both of you will get even more. Oh my god, I love that. Alright, Dave. So Dave Dave has the initiative. Okay. Go ahead and roll. Let me explain this. <laughs> What's initiative? Um, games like World of Warcraft, Rift, um, Swotor mm-hmm. work off of what they call a tagging system. If you attack an enemy, it's tagged for your group. Be If you're only one person in that group, you're the only person getting the loot. If there's two people, there's only two of you getting the loot. That's tagged to your group. If another person comes in and tries to attack it, they get nothing. Even if they help, they get nothing because it wasn't their tag. So if you have a high-level character running through tagging enemies, he can disrupt leveling, farming, any number of things. There's In WoW, you have rare creatures that can be tamed by a hunter class. There are people who tag those creatures then g- try to sell that tag by inviting people into their group to allow hunters to capture that creature. People make money off of exploiting tagging in these games. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. 
<laughs> Shake your ass. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, this game, ESO, will take on principles as seen by other games, such as um, DC Universe Online, where you're granted a portion of a kill based on the amount of effort you put into the kill. This is also reminiscent of how rifts work in the game Rift, where you're given a bonus or a, a your loot is granted to you based on the amount of effort you put into a fight, which honestly is a very great way to do it. I loved DC Universe Online for that exact aspect because you're given what you deserve, what you earned, you're given. Where if you initiate a fight, as it says in here, you're getting 100% of your possible loot. But if you run in on somebody who's already started a fight, and let's say you only do 15% of the damage that is required to kill that enemy, you're only getting 15% of the possible loot. So, which is a on. great way. So you can't just steal loot? No, you can't. You're given what you've earned, which is amazing. That sucks. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like that. Well, that's because Shank, you you haven't you haven't played that. That's the thing. Um, you're yeah, but see, to... here's 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 the thing. I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but here here's the thing. Okay. If somebody did that to me, I would I would be slightly annoyed, but I would respect him for doing that because like I respect that the principle why which from which why he's stealing okay from me all right i'll i'll give you that but the thing is is you also haven't been involved in a quest that that takes you a really long time to get to the area and then when you get to the area you have to look for specific things uh to you know specific animals let's say to kill cycling Mm -hmm. through you know five different versions of these animals to find the right one that you oh, have God. to kill, and then some, some, you know, Dingleberry comes running along, slaps that thing right in the face, and now it belongs to him. <laughs> and now you have to go and keep searching throughout this this herd in order to find the particular one that you're looking for. Yep. If you have to do this for twenty of those those particular enemies that you have to look for, it gets extremely annoying times that by how many times you've already done this throughout the entire game. Because you're already at this point level, you know, 40, 45, and it's an extremely long hike to get from there to the to the end level because you're getting close now. It no, can I, be underst- unbelievably yeah. frustrating. Yeah, understood. I, I can imagine how that'd be frustrating, but uh, this just tells me that, uh, Lou, you need to teach me how to play EVE Online. <laughs> <laughs> that will be ultimate economic PvP, my friend. <laughs> Look at it this way. Um... <laughs> The only downside to this is people who have quests that require specific kills and what they call jumping in on a kill late is where they jump in right as the enemy is about to be killed to receive credit. I My only hope is that if someone doesn't do a substantial amount of damage to be considered, you know, adding into the fight, that they will not receive credit. Okay. I feel if you haven't earned it, it ain't yours. You know, yeah. walking into a 7-Eleven and just picking up a soda and drinking it, that doesn't make that soda yours. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's something to be said with uh, stealing. I think uh, if, if you are if you have the guile enough to steal something from someone, I think it should be yours. But besides the point, 
Well, in that case, if <laughs> even if you're on the same faction as somebody, if you attack one of their mobs, you should be flagged so they can kill you. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. That, that ain't how you make friends. <laughs> I never said I was a friendly player, my friend. <laughs> but we shall see. All right, guys, let's let's get on to the next question then. Um, in Variety Pack Ten, you said that when you die in PvP, you can you can respawn at a keep your alliance owns as long as it isn't under attack. When is a keep officially under attack? Will it suffice for a single player to scratch on the door for the <laughs> status of the keep to switch to under attack by Ando by Ando A. Am- Amando Calrissian. Right, say. right. Like by Lando Calrissian. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, please. A keep is considered under attack when significant damage has been done to a section of the keep. For example, a wall or a door. A few scratches aren't enough to declare the keep as unsafe or to alert the whole alliance. If a capture flag is being transitioned from one alliance to another, the keep or resource is also considered under attack. Which I, you know what that means, right, guys? No, what, Shank, what? you'll be useful. You can sneak that, into a keep without alerting anybody. That is a pipe dream. Saying Shank is useful in a multiplayer game, I only <laughs> need to refer you back to our wonderful League of Legends stream. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I heard you were very good during that stream. I was. I was the best player, like, ever. Um, you know, Supa can back me up. I was brilliant. I saved the team. Lou, you played Dark Age of Camelot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Obviously, there is there is some some uh, correlation between Dark Age of Camelot and Elder Scrolls Online. If you if you know who's actually building this game versus who actually built that game, is this something that that you had played with in Dark Age of Camelot? Is this a is is this idea in PvP getting transferred over from that game to this game? Is this completely different? It, it's similar. Um. Because there in DOEC or Dark Age Camelot, if a keep was under attack that your faction owned, yeah, the whole uh, everyone in your faction would get the the server message saying that that keep was that particular keep was under attack. Okay, but it's not like that keep had to be under attack for you know a long enough period in order for a significant amount of damage to be done to it. No, and it, then it just had to be like you know several alert. players had to be you know attacking the NPC okay. guards. Or actually attacking it with, uh, you know, siege yeah. weapons, siege engines. All right. So then, knowing knowing how that system was, and then hearing about this system, do you think that this is going to be a good system? Do you think that the pre, you know, a, another system like that you saw? In, honestly, like, let's let's put it this way. All right. Let's. I guess let's let's address the big the pink elephant in the room with this stupid discussion that I'm bringing up. Um, DAOEC really has absolutely nothing to do with Elder Scrolls Online, but the reason why I'm drawing this this ridiculous <laughs> correlation, and I can't believe I'm running with this stupid idea, is is that you know I know Lou has some kind of experience with this, and I'm wondering if if that experience can translate to Elder Scrolls Online, even in the slightest bit. So I guess that's really my question here, Lou. Do you think that that this is going to kind of feel a little bit like that PvP, or do you think this is going to be different and if so do you think that difference is going to be a better difference uh, I, I think it's going to be uh a better difference because there's always room for improvement 
you know, uh, if people have been listening since episode one, you know, I've always said that that DAOT is one of the best uh, PvP R realm versus realm versus realm systems I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for those who've been following Zoss, you know, a lot of the developers who are working for Zoss have worked for Mythic. Okay, for example, Mister, you know, Mister Wheeler. <laughs> okay, right. All right, you know, a lot of play- a lot of play- people there work for. Mythic in some form or another, they've worked on DOEC or Warhammer online. Okay, so they're familiar with this RVR VR system. And but here, you know, I think they're making it better. All right, they're bringing that that sort of, you know, that 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 danger, that adventure, that excitement that that kind of combat brings. You know, to where where it's just two factions. You know how boring that can get, or how one sided that can get. You know, yeah. using World of Warcraft for an example. Yep. You know, you and so I were on Dark Sphere. Are- absolutely based off of who's the winning team on World of Warcraft. Well, exactly. at least at least uh, Kyle in the chat room is kind of, you know, giving me a bump over here and saying that DAOEC in the, uh, is the granddaddy of ESO in, in PvP. Right. And, at least I'm know, getting with, that nudge. <laughs> right. With three factions, it allows for more, you know, more balance, so to speak. Okay? And with this, with the way the mechanics they're introducing here, saying, you know, you won't have one person that won't count as attack, or keeping it under attack, or potentially denying that resource or keeping someone because you know players will grief if they can, because you're going to have those type of assets in there. Like, oh, you know what? If one person just plinks an arrow to NPC guard, you know that resource is now cut off from your faction. You know, or that keep is cut off for travel communication with your faction because you know they the will do that on purpose. Part of Alterac Valley. <laughs> Was at least Dave? this way, they're saying, you know what, if you want to cut off the resource, bring at least 10, 20 of the people and then bring it, you know, bring that force to bear. You know, that way everyone knows it's there and now it's going to be a fight. <laughs> you know, they're inviting players to say, you know what, I challenge you to take that from them. All right. Um, okay, so next question. When, when you are picking a lock, Will other will another player be able to kill you when you're trying to open it? From Brendan Warren, Shank. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tamriel is a dangerous place. If you let your guard down while you focus on lock picking, you might get attacked. Enemy NPCs might do this anywhere in the world, and hostile players will love the opportunity to surprise you in Cyrodiil. But then again, you never know what loot might be in that chest. Maybe it's worth bringing a friend to watch your back. Mm, very good. <laughs> nah. I, I like the first half mm-hmm. in that people can kill you. The second half implies that you have to share. I don't really do the sharing thing. So, like, I would be like, so, if Arwen, what's up, bro? Let's go, like, loot chests and stuff. And if Arwen would be like, okay, cool. We're bros. We'll totally go do that, bro. Let's go play some GameCube. Right. So, while we're GameCubing across the world, we find chests and we're looting stuff. <laughs> and then I'm like, yo, if Arwen, watch my back. Uh-huh. He's like, yo, brah, I got it. Yeah. And then I pick the chest, and then while Varwin's got his back turned, I'll just be like, oh, snap, there's some cool stuff in this chest I don't want to share with the Varwin. And then I just go slash, slash, and Varwin's dead, and I keep all the loot to myself. Well, that's, that's very, uh, that's very um, horrible of you, Shank, but... Uh, <laughs> you're a jerk. Shank, did you watch that, that, that Batman movie, you know, at the beginning, where, you know, all those robbers turned on each other? <laughs> I guess. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
That's exactly what I was thinking about. I guess my next question to you, uh, Shank, is does Aldwin in the background, who's clearly your bro and totally stoked for playing Skyrim and, and uh, Oblivion with you tonight, or maybe some PS4 action, does Aldwin know that this is how you play and he might get stabbed in the back? That's how Aldwin rolls, my friend. That's how he rolls. All right, as long as he's aware of this. <laughs> you know, he's not worried because he's the world eater. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Shank's just the tank. He... <laughs> <laughs> he'll just be world like eater? oh you stole my chest i'm gonna eat you with the world <laughs> dave will we meet an ancestor of mike the liar by jan s no right. <laughs> <laughs> dave when are you gonna do your laundry <laughs> I, in fact i make sure it's weird in the background and changes every week just to mess with people hmm I like that. I like that a lot. So are we going to meet uh, the ancestor of Mike the Liar, Dave? This again? <laughs> this again. We were lucky enough to meet someone with that name just the other day. And when we asked him the same question, this is what he answered. In the development of every project. And you could consider a family tree a sort of a project. <laughs> there comes a time when you have to make certain decisions. To either build your own legion or help others do so. But then again, why did the mouse steal the cheese? Why is Mike French all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he's a he's a Khajiit, right? <laughs> Khajiits are French. That's how they talk. Is that how that is that no. how that happens? Uh, more like puss in boots. <laughs> yeah. Khajiits are Antonio Banderas. That's yes. right. He's not French, man. Yeah, Antonio Banderas is French, kinda. If, well, Except in like every way. Miles. <laughs> Shank, do you want to meet Mike the Liar's ancestor? In Elvis Dude, Presley? yes. Yes. I don't think... There's like no hardcore Elder Scrolls fan who would not want to meet Mike. I love Mike. If if someone told me they were a hardcore Elder Scrolls fan and that they didn't care about Mike and didn't want to meet him in Elder Scrolls Online, I would ask Paul Sage to donkey punch him in the nose. I know. I, I would agree. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, all sage, being the huge G that you are, just punch this dude. Exactly. He still <laughs> owes Dave a donkey punch in the nose from last week's comments. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> How does the lockpicking in ESO work exactly? Please elaborate. Tony Salik or Tony Stark. Tony Stark, <laughs> Iron Man, Iron Man Lou. Please tell us how lockpicking in ESO works. Exactly. Be specific. All right. Exactly what Zoss states. When trying to pick locks in ESO, you'll see a set of tumblers. Using lockpicks that you carry in your backpack, you'll need to force them down into the correct position. If you play close attention, the game will give you visual and audio hints as to where the right position for each tumbler is. But you'll also have to fight against the clock and open the lock within a given time. And then there's the hostile environment you might be in. See above. Previous question. Mm. For a quick glimpse of lockpicking, they actually have, do have a video. Um, it's about a minute and 15 seconds long. It's called the Exploration and Gathering Video. Man, glad we're not answering any questions that were already obviously answered. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what? Uh, we're, we're not doing anything special today, right? We're not doing anything. Who cares? Let's just let's throw this up. Why, why not? 
Let's do a little lock picking, uh, lock picking video. Let's see what Shank does best: exploring, gathering, and right. running away. Here, here we go, guys. When you dive into Elder Scrolls Online, one of the first things you're going to notice is that there's a lot of interactivity in the world. There's barrels around, there's crates around, you're like, what's going on here? So you, you start to click on them and you say, oh, there's there's items in them, there's, there's fruits, there's vegetables, there's grains. But it's not just useless stuff. Right now, you can take any one of these items that you find and it's going to be part of a recipe. It's going to be part of our crafting system. Yes, you'll go out into the world, you'll explore, you'll find plants and many other things that you can expect. But it all starts right in town, and it starts right up as you get into the game of, wow, I can create something, I can craft something almost immediately in starting the experience. There's more than just crafting resources in the world. For instance, there's books that you find for the Mages Guild. And there's also fishing. You can compete with your friends to catch the biggest fish, and depending on the bait you use, you'll catch different fish. There's also Munda Stones, and Munda Stones kind of give you special powers. There's Sky Shards, and you use Sky Shards to increase your skills. And throughout the world, there's chests hidden in secret places. And these chests have locks on them that when you increase your skill with lockpicking, you're able to get better and better gear. And all of these are just a sample of the reasons you'll want to explore the world of Tamriel. Alright, so, you know, that video had probably about 10 seconds of the information we were actually looking for, but that's cool. <laughs> but but to be, to be fair, I really liked... What what I saw was for the lock picking there, yeah. Why didn't um, they just say that it was oblivion locks that didn't suck? That's I mean that would have been good because like I hate oblivion lock picking. Um, it's horrible. It's just so just bad. This looks like you actually need to have like some sort of skill because oblivion I felt like was so much of it was like luck. This is you really got to like take your cue. And really, like, listen to what's going on and see what's going on in order to figure out, okay, I need to, you know, push down on this tumbler and then I got to move to the... I think it's cool. And plus, having a time limit just adds that that tension, which is nice. I, I like it. It's, 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 a good, it's a good system. Uh, Chatroom is, is, is weighing in on this one. And we've got, uh, let's see, Stevie Forever says, that looks fun. And... <laughs> Jeez, what's wrong with me today, guys? I, I'm, I'm looking at stuff and I, I can't, I can't pick it back up again. Sorry, chat room. You're saying good stuff, but unfortunately, I'm like really distracted or something today. I can't. So, says, love whatever. this video. It shows all the crafting options. That looks fun. This dude's face is priceless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for picking me up, Dave. I, I, I was looking at this stuff and I'm like, I, where, where did it go? And, yeah, yeah. God, sorry, it, it guys. Fast with these losers always trying to talk to us, Jesus. <laughs> you definitely tell. I'm a little off my game today, guy. I, 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 I do apologize. I'm, I'm trying to get my head in the game, but ugh, I'm like all boggled today. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Super Saiyan skull key for the win. <laughs> skeleton key, skeleton key, skull please. Key. If you can get it. Not skull key. If you can get it. Um. Smart in the chat room says, looks too hard. Well, if it's too hard, one thing that I noticed when we were at PAX East was you have a percent chance to actually bump the tumbler and force the lock to break. Yeah. So there's always that chance that when you get so high in, in lock picking, that number could increase. 
and you can go around to lower locks and just bump the tumbler and pop them open and you know Pellin, Pellin Fuzzlefur in the chat room is saying Oblivion's lockpicking does have some skill there is the sound of the pin tumbler hitting the top and how much it sticks to the end that, that's that's definitely true. There yeah. there's some skill, but like for me personally, like I had no patience for the Oblivion lockpick system. No. no, I think it's terrible. Look, I I will tell you when it comes to when it comes to lockpicking in Elder Scrolls games, the only the only game that I really absolutely hate lockpicking in is Oblivion. I think Skyrim's is is great. Um, yeah, but in this game, when I played it at at PAX East, uh, you know, eh. I didn't really like it so much, but the fact is, is that, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard, but it's not annoyingly impossible. It's, it's a good kind of hard. And what I'll have to say is, you know, what makes it tough is, is the time challenge. You know, it's supposed to feel like an achievement when you open up this chest. You got to feel like I found this out of nowhere. I successfully picked it in, 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 and completed the challenge in order to do this and I earned this stuff inside so the next time I find a chest I'm going to want to feel like opening it again and I'm going to want to explore to find these chests because guess what it's an awesome feeling when I do actually achieve opening one of these things up and I I think it's right where it needs to be Mm -hmm. all for that one piece of gold and look two tomatoes (laughs) an old dress and a bar apron yes Yes. Five lockpicks worth. Yes. Two gold and a potato. <laughs> um, so the next question comes from Dominic, Dominic, Dominic Hogard. And uh, he asks, when we first come across a keep, will it be free for the taking or held by the Imperials? Lou. Great. Where's Bradford when I need him? And Zoss replies, Omnis Cilidilia est divisa in partis tres. In the beginning, all of Cyrodiil is divided into three equal parts controlled by the alliances. Depending on the area the various keeps, mines, farms, and other objectives are in, they'll be guarded by troops of the corresponding alliance. Of course, we expect this to change quickly. And from that moment on, it will always be up to you to defend the objectives in your area and attack and capture your enemies. Dave, what do you have on this? I want to know now if when you capture an objective, once it's completely under your control, will you have NPCs that spawn just like those that originate uh, when a new campaign begins? Shank, anything? Honestly, no. And that's, that's on, it's purely because of my noobness with PvP in general. So I'm just, I'm literally what I'm doing is taking this and just absorbing it. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, all the PvP games that I've ever had where they have objectives that need to be taken over that do have some form of guard guarding that objective, I can only think of one that that hasn't happened in, but and that's Wintergrasp, the one that I always relate this the uh, Cyrodiil to, but every other one that I can think of the uh, objectives have always been neutral and have neutral guards. So it's it's interesting that they took the idea that when you start the campaign, it'll already be split into three equal parts, 
and each of them will have each objective guarded by NPC guards right off the bat. <clears throat> exactly. Um, okay, so the next question is, in Skyrim, you can get a vampire follower named Serana. Uh, That's Lou's favorite. Skyrim, Kira. I know she and her family were born in the first era, so is it possible... Uh. Is it possible that she might be included in the game from Dovinator? Lou! His last answers. Probably not. Unfortunately, as you may recall, Serana was imprisoned in a stolen coffin in Dim Hollow Cavern from sometime in the first era until the time of Skyrim in the fourth. That's a win for us, guys. That's a win. We can go home. Yes. See, I, I I like this... Not because we don't get Serana as a follower, but I like this because lore-wise, it's faithful. Yes, because when you have that conversation with her, uh, you know she'll, she'll tell you. I, 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 if I remember correctly, she'll tell you that you know things have changed, the landscape has changed, mm-hmm. and place names have changed too. When she was first, you know, what happened the last time she walked on uh, on Nern, so. That's definitely a, 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 a tell-all factor there. That yeah, she's mm-hmm. been there for that long. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, Dave, <laughs> it really you know, is. She's gonna tell us, "Eat lightsaber, jerk." <laughs> <laughs> Skyrim, Kira. <sighs> Worst character ever programmed in any game ever made. Tell me to stay back? Okay, I'll stay back. But you can't complete the objective <laughs> you're trying to get to. Oh, you want me to come with you? I'll stand in your way. Trying to stab somebody with that sword? Oh, don't worry. It'll hit me, and then I'll kill you. <laughs> no, but you know what? The, 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 there is a great workaround for this, Dave. You know what that is? Polymorpher? Just, no, just just don't do Dragonborn. Or, uh, uh, um, not Dragonborn. Oh, yeah. Uh, don't do Dawnguard. Don't do Dawnguard. Don't get a beastly, ridiculously cool undead horse mount. Yeah, why would you want a really? horse when you have feet? Really? <laughs> really, Shank? How else am I going to get from point A to point B with twice the, the crap in my my bags as I should without summoning a horse, getting on it, and fast traveling? What I did not, my brain just, I don't even know what horse and fast traveling even, like, means. <laughs> well, well, guys. You know, Dave, Dave can elaborate by showing you a, a, a lich dragon mount he has. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> Still trying to get that damn thing. <laughs> well, don't don't worry, guys. You don't have to put up with Serana in Elder Scrolls Online because she's been entombed. So you, you should mm-hmm. be fine. That, that makes today a good day. <laughs> Today's a good day. <laughs> All right. Apart from being the emperor for a short time, are there any other ranks one can give in PvP? For example, can I become a captain or general of my alliance or get recognition for the amount of enemies I have slain. Will friends and enemy players be able to see how successful I have been in PvP? From Jenny Sart. And Shank. Answer is, you can gain many military-themed titles from the PvP ranking system. There are also lots of achievements to earn and leaderboards that show you how many alliance points you've earned in a campaign. The leaderboards update every 10 minutes or so and are filterable by class, alliance, and overall rankings. Now, everyone knows at this point that I am not a competitive player at all, but I do know that there are a lot of people um, that really do care about stuff like this. And having leaderboards and uh, you know seeing 
advancement stuff is pretty important. Now, I don't know how this compares to other MMOs, but for those of you that do like seeing uh, progress and seeing, you know, um, you're tracking your progress as you, you know, literally physically like rank, I think this is a, this is a good thing for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shank, I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, Lou, you know, I mean, none of us here are, are really like huge into PVP. Um, but what I will say is that, you know, on this, the, a lot of this seems, you know, really, really interesting to me. Um, I can't say much more. Uh, Lou, I mean, what, what have you on, on some of this, though? Um, I, I think it's a great, again, a great little feature to give players. Now, we all like displaying our surnames, you know, the, little, the great titles we get from achievements or for doing things in-game. Um, and I think there's another carryover, too, that uh, uh, that, that crowd, that PvP crowd will, will have. They'll enjoy saying, you know what, you know, you maybe want to display the fact that, yeah, you are, you know, you're pretty good at what you do, the killing other players. So, you know, you want to display that, whether it's a, a like an officer or a sergeant-type rank above your head. Okay, to show other players, like, you know what, if you want to mess with me, guess what? This tells you, you know, how good I am or, or how many of you I've killed. You know, and that may give other players pause, saying, you know what, we may want to jump him, but ooh, ooh, you know what? No, he's got that title. He's killed 5,000 people. I've only killed 10. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he may, you know, he or she may have that skill set because they've killed 5,000 players that you may not have. Yeah. So that may give players pause. Um, and I think, too, like, well, again, one of the other features I loved in, in, uh, Dark Age of Camelot was the fact that three factions, three different cultures, you know, the titles fell in with that culture, meaning, you know, a captain in Midgard wasn't the same name, you know, wasn't a captain in, in you know, for the Celts, you know, for, for, for Hibernia, because, you know, Celt, Gaelic, different words. So you had to actually learn, learn the other language, say, all right, what is that rank? Because it's a language you don't understand because you're not from that faction. See? Yeah. So, and these were titles he earned for doing certain cheap PvP achievements and stuff. So, I think this is a nice, again, a nice little feature that the game players say, you know what? We know you appreciate like doing PvP. Here, you know, we'll throw your ranking system to not only show progress, but you know, for a little self pride, player pride. All right, very good, Dave. You have anything that you want to add to this? I feel that the title system, if it's attainable without being ranked in the leaderboards would be a very excellent idea, especially to lure people in to play PvP. Yeah. But I feel that leaderboards breed nothing but elitism and blind prejudice towards people who are maybe new players or may even be, you know, mediocre in PvP. Where every game that I've ever seen that has included player leaderboards has had them removed because of that exact reason. Well, I mean, you're not just talking about strict leaderboards on this. Um, what you're, what you are talking about is several, several things. You know, you're getting, you're getting military ranking as well as achievements and leaderboards as well to show how many alliance points that you've, you've received in the campaign. I know. I'm so, speaking specifically about leaderboards, though. Yeah. So, I'm, but I mean, it's, it's good to, it's good to mention that, you know. Getting into PvP offers, you know, a lot of nice little personal rewards other than just, you know, hey, cool, I'm close to the top and I'm so-and-so. You know, you're but how get... long until PvP leaderboards get treated like 
your worth. Yeah, player worth board. Yeah. That's and, the problem. Right. And, and another thing I'd probably add, if you're, if you're, you know, whenever you're finished, Dave. Yeah, go for it. Oh, uh, gentlemen, do you mind? I just want to add yeah, sorry, ahead, a, a little caveat yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, uh, again, because of that, what Dave was saying, I want to build on what Dave was saying, okay? You know, we've all heard that they may bring in an arena, okay, within, within ESL, and specifically within Cyrodiil, mm-hmm. okay? All right, I don't mind, again, the, the titles and such that you can, the ranks you can earn from doing PvP in Cyrodiil is great. However, here's my structure for that. It's got to be open world PvP. You know why? Because to me, earning your so-called skills or tiles in an arena is pure crap because that's not open world PvP. That's not, P- that's not open world PvP. That's glorified dueling. Okay, to yeah. me, if I, see, if I see someone with the rank of general from open world PvP, I suppose someone who has a rank of general because all they did was twos, threes, fours, and fives in an arena. It's like, dude, seriously? You fought in a controlled, sterile environment as opposed to the chaos of the battlefield. All right, so you knew exactly what you were going up against with. You say, all right, you know what? I'll use another game point. Yeah, I'm bringing with me a, 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 a pally, okay, a DK, all right, chamois, because I know this combination is going to win as opposed to, no, I brought – this is my group. Holy crap, we're facing 20 other players, <laughs> okay? Right. Someone who's done that in that type of environment earned that title. Okay, that's just me. They've earned that rank in general. They've earned that PvP title as opposed to, all right, if we know we're going to start for 10 minutes in a, in a five match, that's cool. Let's do this. No. I want these tiles and ranks to be earned open more PvP, not in that arena, not at all. Right. It's, it's a totally separate system of that. That's cool, but you know what? Open world, this is the arena. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like comparing you know uh, real real war warlike combat to just you know a wrestling match on TV. Well, you know um, you know what you're going yeah. up against versus you know the other thing is actual war. Or I'll use my military experience. You know me going to the National Training Center for Irwin, Okay, Armored Desert Warfare. I could be a badass there all I want, but you know what? Nothing's gonna be there be for real until I actually go and fight in combat. <laughs> Right. Okay. Yeah, that's how I make the distinction. Okay, you can be in a training area and be totally badass, but you know what? You're not going to prove your assault until you actually do it. And to me, that's what an arena and open world PvP actually means. That's what it means to me. It should mean to me. You know, it does mean to me. Now, how does this all relate to to uh, Lou? How does this all relate in your mind to what what Cyrodiil PvP is going to be like versus you know some of these leaderboards that you guys are kind of sounding off on right now? Well, again, leaderboards. You know, that's going to help track progression. All right, people want you know we all want to see how we progress, how we stand up against other players, but as Dave mentioned, you know, that leads to the dangerous road of that becomes an elitist type board. Okay, that can be a tool. It's a good tool. All right, but but, a tool. it's going to be abused. But why? Why do I care? Why do I care who's on that leaderboard? I'm I'm you know level so and so, and I just want to go in and have fun in PvP. Like, why do I care who's on the leaderboard, Dave? Because what if you're actually good? That's the problem. What if you're actually good and you want to advance and you want to put yourself into a position where you're in such, such thing as like a PvP guild and you step into the guild and say, hey, I'm actually good. And they look at you and say, well, your score sucks, so we're not going to help you at all. Okay, but if you're looking to get into a PvP guild and your score sucks, what business do you have being in a PvP guild? See, that's exactly the problem. That exact thought is the problem. But why is that a problem? You should be able to play how you want without being judged because 
of some obscure number. What? Because of how much damage you're able to put out in one hit, how many kills you've gotten because you started playing the game a week ago compared to someone who's been playing the game for three months. That that doesn't speak to current skill of the player. Know, yeah, I, I think I think you're kind of reaching on this one. I think people who want PvP leader, leaderboards to mean something are going to have those things mean something, whether whether it actually has any kind of tangible so reward in game. That or means not. that it's only going to mean something to the person who can spend the most time in PvP. For the people who are dedicating efforts, I don't know, to a life may not be able to uh, be that top PvP person, even though they may be more skilled than the top PvP person. That's... Uh, hold on, though. That's that's an issue of 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 skill balance, though. If, if there's a disparity between the gamer's skill and what's actually being reflected in the game, that's a disparity between the, the gamer and the actual either the build or the class or the way the, the game is, is put together. Not necessarily uh, an issue with leaderboards. And, and Dave, I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I'm just, I'm just sort of trying to like figure out, you know, where I'm trying to meet you where you are right now. I'm trying to figure out like, you know, why, 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 why are leaderboards like such a, a bad thing? And I get what you're trying to say, you but played Diablo too. Yeah. I played, I played the hell out of Diablo too. I love you that ever game. make it to the ladder. No, I have. All right, but I like that's that's a thing though. I I loved that game. I played a lot of that game, but I never actually cared about the ladder. Right, but if you care about the ladder, you care about the ladder. There's going to be people okay. who play this game. They're going to care about the leaderboards, and they're going to try to advance in those leaderboards. Mm-hmm. And you're going to damn well bet that if someone's below you in the leaderboards, you're going to be thinking, "Wow, they're below me." Not just they're below me in the leaderboards, and there's going to be the people like that. And they're going to get that big head and treat people like they're lesser of a person because they're lower on the leaderboards. That's what I'm against. I'm not against the leaderboards per se. I'm against the elitism that gets bred by it. All right, but that's not the elite. But you're talking about something that that exists and permeates pretty much through through anything. I mean, you've got that in, in PvE with with guilds that have um, a competitive uh, mindset regarding, you know, world firsts in, in downed in downing bosses and clearing raids and getting achievements. You have that in there. You can have that in, in like crafting guilds where, you know, in rift, you're the first to, you know, uh, world first in making an item and, and get people. I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, but I mean, you, you could have that too. I just don't understand why you're sort of singling out leaderboards in this instance and saying that, you know, if leaderboards are in the game, it's going to create an air of elitism. I think even if it did, that it would be the top maybe 5% or 1% of, of hardcore PvP gamers. See, now that would be something completely different. Like, I, that's why I referred to the Diablo 2 leaderboards is because I worked damn hard to get up onto it. It only showed the top 100 of every class. Mm-hmm. So if they do that here, I feel that it could be a good thing. It could breed competition for people to really, really push toward that emperor's seat. But when you see leaderboards that update every 10 minutes for overall rankings of everyone ever, you can pop that up at any time and look at anyone 
and say, man, I really don't want them in this campaign. Let's kick them out. Or I'm going to swap to a different campaign because of so many people who are so low on this and I'm not going to give any support to them. This absolutely could change gameplay just because of a list of numbers not speaking to a player's skill. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Dave. I mean, agree to disagree, I suppose, because, you know, we, we should probably move on. But, you know, the fact is, is, uh, you know, I, I think you're identifying something that I don't necessarily think is, is either A, going to be an issue or B, um, really going to exist in that way. And, you know, you certainly have some, some pretty some pretty you know experienced and thoughtful pushbacks for for me as well so i don't know i guess i guess we'll just have to see to be honest i mean I, let's let's end up with this I'll, I'll let you have the last word dave with with this one question um do you think that a a uh, a leaderboard that refreshes every 10 minutes in pvp for this game will mean something important to to a pvp based guild oh without a doubt oh undoubtedly there's okay. nothing that they could possibly think would be more important if you have a pvp guild who plays this game with a leaderboard there'll absolutely be people trying to get above the other people even in their own guild and that's you know what i'm gonna refer to all this as and say my final point if you look up the the problems that came with gear score in WoW mm -hmm. when that first released. Okay. That's what I'm worried is going to happen here. All right. Okay. Um, so, so moving right along, uh, you know, we, that was the ask us anything variety pack 11. Um, we just want to thank Tweaked Audio for, for sponsoring our show in part today, of course. Uh, quality earbuds, free worldwide shipping, unbeatable customer service with a lifetime warranty. Use our code off the record to get 30% off on your order at tweakedaudio.com. Best freaking uh, headphones that you could probably get out there for the money, anywhere between, you know, at least around twenty dollars, I'd say, is the uh, the median price for for some excellent headphones over there. Sound quality is fantastic on these things, and we always like to talk about the uh, the durability as well. It is uh, certainly a um, fantastic product. We we definitely put our show behind it, and we we use them ourselves, as I like to show. These are them, so very good product. I use them with every episode I do. All right, guys, uh, that brings us over to the dev question of the week, and we're going to pop it right up here on our, uh, on our stream. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Jim Burnham, Customer Support Business Improvement Manager here at ZeniMax Online Studios, and here's your question of the week. The new interactive map on our website allows you to view Tamriel through the eyes of the people who live there. Which character did you enjoy reading about the most, and what question would you ask them if given the chance? Oh boy. That's, uh, that's one heck of a question there. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, give us the easy ones, why don't you? Yeah, really. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so so let's uh, let's actually open up the map then. If that's if that's going to be the case, why don't we uh, why don't we open up the map right now and take a quick look? Does anyone actually have an answer for this right now? Yep. Okay, go ahead, Shank. <laughs> I would walk up to the clo- uh, the closest Argonian and say, "Why? Just why? <laughs> why?" <laughs> What about God, what about you, Lou? I think Lou is laughing somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Lou's Lou's gone. Oh man. Good. <laughs> as as Lou tries to correct himself a little bit here, collect himself rather. What do you, what do you think, Dave? Was what was the question? Favorite character, and what would you ask them? Yeah, <laughs> what's your favorite character uh, in in the in the map? Okay, in the interactive map that I, I now have up on on our live stream, who has been your favorite character that you've looked at on the map? Oh, and, I, I and you tell don't us have why. to repeat it that much. I already know it's going to be the Scald King, and I'm going to ask him where he's going to mount the head of the Aldmeri Dominion and uh, the Daggerfall Covenant on his wall. <laughs> I don't think the Scald King's on you know, here, but... Evan we'll... Pack wins. Yeah, all right. You're, you're assuming the Scald King has a house. But, you know, they're milk drinkers. Milk drinkers don't live in homes. He's not a milk drinker. He's the Scald King. Have some damn respect. Oh, my. He drinks milk. He's a milk drinker. <laughs> I mean, I'm just stating facts. <laughs> I think Dave's actually taking out the two-handed sword. I think so. <laughs> what, what about you, Lou? What do you think? God, you know what? Being such a lore nut, I, I don't have any. I like them all. You know, I know that that that, uh, that can be considered a, a cheat answer, but you know what? I, I just want to say my favorite character is the map itself. The fact that they actually released the map in this format. Yeah. Because when I first looked at it, I was like, "Holy bleep!" I can actually have that great visual light to see. You know what? This is where this is, and this is where this comes from, as opposed to. When you open up the books in the games, you read about, you know, like the Monomyth, or you read about the legend. Now with this map, you're actually seeing the physical location on the map. You know, you know when you find this lore book, this is right where you found it, and this is the area they're talking about. You know, whether it's a place or a person or an event, the map itself is my favorite character because now it's given me, you know, it's giving me a chance to actually say, you know, I don't have, you know, when I go to the Elder Scrolls pages, the wiki, okay, in the Imperial Library. I have all the information, but now I actually can see everything at once. I know this is, you know, this is the White Gold Tower. I can see anything, everything associated with it right here at my fingertips. Okay, the little lore snippets, the people who are there. You know, I was like, oh, yeah. You know, when you go here, you'll see a little picture of Almalexia. And, and look, there she is in the temple with the rest of the tribunal. So, uh, Lou, if, if uh, the map is your favorite character, what question would you ask the map? <laughs> I'd say... <laughs> When Shank plays, will you let him fast travel anywhere? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! What question? What question? There's got to be a way to turn that off in the game. (laughs) You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna text Paul Sage. Just don't just don't access the way shrine. Go ahead, Lou. (laughs) I'm sorry. My question is: Show me where are where are the locations of every Elder Scroll and Nern? Hmm. I like that answer. That is that is a, a good answer. Yes. So now, now that I'm done, mischief managed. There you go. 
All right, guys. So let's uh, let's jump into the emails. We've got we've got quite a few few emails here, and every one of them is is an instant win. Uh, if you sent us an email this week, thank you very much for for supporting the show uh, with your thoughts. And uh, we're going to read off the uh, the ones that um, that we put into the show today. Uh, Dave, why don't you start with our our first one, please? Yes, our first one is from Professor Hutch. He actually has like three questions throughout this, but I'm going to read on down through it. it. Says, "Hello, ESOTR crew. I've been listening off and on since the days of Skyrim off the record. I'm so glad you guys are enthusiastic about as, uh, the Elder Scrolls as I am. You represent our player base surprisingly well. Well, other than Shank. Now Shut that up, I'm Dave. done bothering you, buttering you guys up, I should probably ask the question. All right, his first question is." A while back, Zoss answered a question on their Ask Us Anything role-playing about whether the question, uh, about weather. The question reads as follows. What will the weather be like in ESO? Will it always be the same or will it change? Will, it, will we see a day or night cycle from snowstorms in Skyrim to rain showers over the moors of Glenumbra? You'll experience lots of weather as you explore through the day and night in ESO. So he says, though mods or what have you, uh, Skyrim has the capacity to have dynamic snow, though this is about as complex as the weather system gets. We know that there will be time represented in the game and even the passage of years. I know the answers Zoss gives are not completely detailed to avoid giving away everything, but I hope that this is a tip of the iceberg explanation. Do you expect the passage of seasons and the weather changes that accompany them? Do you think that this should affect the game in manners such as frozen rivers or lakes, open access to islands or lands previously unreachable, some crops and plants only available during specific weather or seasons, the mudding of battlefields slowing troops to a crawl, Storms with hail large enough to kill a troll. Zombie movie like like the fog falling off of the mountains covering the Cyrodiilic Valley, making vision almost null and enabling troops to pass undetected behind defensive lines of keeps. All right, hold on. Stop right there, Dave. Mm -hmm. Okay, first of all, whereas I appreciate... Um, everything that that uh, good old professor hutch here is is trying to to say um the, the the fact of the matter is that the game can't possibly have that kind of diversity in an mmo goodbye um, i quit i don't know man is <laughs> is is it is the the weather going to change yes it will be sunny it will rain you will see the clouds come out but will will rivers freeze when the snow starts to fall yeah i don't think that'll happen no it's so but what you are going to see is the sun's going to come out it's going to be beautiful and bright clouds are going to you know come out eventually it's going to start to rain the rain's going to get heavier it's going to lighten up the sun the clouds are going to you know dissipate and the sun's going to come back out again you're going to see snow. It's uh, and you know that stuff will happen, of course, which is already like a huge, huge weather effect regarding any MMO that has weather effects. They usually don't. I don't know, dude. I think that you could absolutely deal with the the snow 
getting yeah. to the point of like being snow blind. Yeah. I think you could absolutely go with the zombie movie like fog, you know, where it fills the area, kind of fogging it. Oh, out. sure. Yeah. I think we're going to see that as well. Um, but what I yeah. don't think we're going to see is, you know, frozen rivers and lakes as, as the snow starts to, to uh, come down a little harder and, and uh, stuff like that, that uh, I don't think we're going to see. Yeah, I don't just, think you're going to see anything that directly affects the player movement Shank. or damaging the player either. Go ahead, Shank. Yeah, um, Mr. Professor Hutch, um, this um, if you want to see stuff like this, I would uh, kindly point you to check out the latest CryEngine, which actually does stuff descri- that you describe right here. So Yeah, I know Battlefield 4 is, uh, has this as one of their huge staples in the game. Battlefield 4, the weather in that is great, and the new CryEngine specifically has unbelievably amazing, dynamic, real-time volumetric weather, fog effects, everything. Water actually evaporates. You can see it. So... I, I'm assuming in the next couple of years we will see stuff like you describe right here in games. Yeah. Does this have the potential to be patched in into ESO? I don't know. Maybe it depends on the flexibility and scalability of their engine. Um, but stuff that you're talking about here will exist in games in the next, I'm going to guess, two, three years. So just just, just hold on. <laughs> you, trust me. Dave, I'll talk about it. <laughs> I don't see this being implemented in an MMO for at least five, ten years, though. Yeah, because there's, there's uh, not that it can't be done, but you know, you have, you have bandwidth issues. Of course, you have, you know, what computers, the median kind of computer is capable of of doing right now. I mean, not every MMO can be crisis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just picturing Liz now singing, "The sun will come out tomorrow." tomorrow. Bet, Bet your, your bottom, bottom dollar. dollar. Tomorrow. There'll be There'll sun. Be sun. <laughs> Just thinking about tomorrow. tomorrow. Is, that, is that in sync? No, yes, but. It's in sync, dude. Dave, please continue. <laughs> okay. Um, also, I have no experience with any MMORPG that has the ability to use mods or add ons. So I ask for a little bit of understanding. And this actually, I added this one in specifically because we have people here who have experience with uh, MMOs that use mods or add-ons. Uh, one of the staples of a TES game has been the addition of mods that and the capability to manipulate the game as the player sees fit. I understand perfectly that this cannot be the case with an MMORPG, Though I typically am more interested in graphics mods yes. more than content mods. This guy's he, this guy gets my huge G award for the week. <laughs> Do you think that Zoss will give us the ability to add in graphics and texture mods for the sake of this being an Elder Scrolls game, or even for the sake of the longevity of the game? In the same way that some of the graphics mods for Morrowind put it on par with Skyrim. That's his uh, second question. Do we want to... Lou, what do you think? Well, for an MMO, graphics mods may not happen. (laughs) I don't think they'll allow the mounted community to do that. However, they might, you know, I think the most they'll do is allow, or I see obviously the UI mod, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's much easier. And that, I think, you know, they can release that part of the code to the general public. So, you know, it won't do the... doesn't have the potential to do a lot of damage to the game per se. Yeah. You know? Uh, 
Uh, I was going to go ahead. Go ahead, Shane. Go ahead. Um, you, you speak about uh, graphics and texture mods, and, and, and I agree with Lou. I don't think that they will uh, allow you to, to mod the game like this. But they have. there's a lot of screenshots, uh, uh, public screenshots released on this game. And, you can, and plus footage. There's a lot of footage uh, that uh, Zoss has released about this game. And you can, ju- you can see the, the visual uh, goal that they're, trying to, they're aiming for. And we've got to keep this in mind. This is going to be a direct X11 uh, compatible uh, game as well as OpenGL, I'm, I'm assuming. That just inherently means there's a lot of effects that are going to be available. If you have the high-end PC, you absolutely will be able to get a gorgeous game just by simply sliding the slider up. Or I'm assuming they're going to have like checkboxes to do stuff like this too. So... I wouldn't be too worried. Um, this is coming from me. I wouldn't be too worried. I'm sure they're going to have plenty of options if you have the machine to do it. I'm sure their engine is going to be very scalable and allow you to do these things. Dave, final thoughts? I will give a definitive from someone who has programming experience as well as experience with games such as WoW and Rift and all these other games that have had add-on support, especially WoW. Because WoW, when they started their add-on support, did allow you to mod graphics and in-game textures, as well as overlaid projected textures. They took that out of the game because it is easily exploitable to allow you to control your character without being at your computer, as well as things such as body mods, which break the teen rating, as well as things Hmm. such as... Um, changing textures on specific rare items or mobs mobs so that they're easily noticeable over other players, giving a definitive edge over the competition. That will not be allowed. I will bet money that that will not be allowed. No, I think it's it's fairly obvious that that kind of thing... It it will break the game. You will not see graphics mods at any time during this game or any future MMO that expects people to play on a a plain, fair battlefield. You're not going to see that. Um, As for mods to the UI and and, uh, things such as bags, uh, chat mods that allow you to quickly access other people... um, even things that just calculate rarity of items that you didn't get to loot. You know, things like you, you had a, a chance of a 2% chance of picking this up. You didn't get it on this one. So you need to do it 50 more times for a good chance. Anyway, different things like that. You're going to see mods like that. Helpful stuff. Damage meters, I'm sure, are going to be in the game as much as they may cause problems in the past. Can't really get past them. Um, so you're going to see things like that. Uh, But really, what you should be happy about with this is, like Avarwin said earlier, the UI mods that lets you move things around, which honestly did some damage to a few games that had very bad UIs without add-on support when they first started. I really hope that when it first comes out that they'd immediately have add-on support. That would be great. I think they announced something like that. They were they were going to have that, right? Well, I'm it, you know they can announce it all they like, but until the game releases and I see it with add-on support, such a I'm still going to have Dave. my fingers crossed. It's such a worry wart. 
<laughs> but but you're right. You you are a hundred percent right. Uh, Lou Lou, uh, we've got another email here from Zach, aka the Kingdom One Nine Five. All right, and Zach writes in. Hey guys, love the show, and hopefully someday there will be some news for you to report. So do we. <laughs> Uh, until then, I have a question about how loot will work in ESO. In all TES games, the loot you get off a monster makes sense logically. Mud crabs have crabmeat on them, trolls have troll fat, and bandits have the armor they were wearing when you killed them. MMOs are notorious for having ridiculous situations like not getting any of the zebra hooves you need off a zebra even when they clearly have four. Oh, I know, right? Now. From your experiences in the game... <laughs> How will ESO strike that balance between the logical loot in Elder Scrolls and the MMO-type loot? Thanks, guys. Zach, a.k.a. The Kingdom 195. So what do you think, Lou? Well, Zach, I mean, if you had, uh, if you caught our earlier part of the program, <laughs> ask us anything, all right, that partially answers your question. Um... Same thing here, too, when uh, we had a chance to play the game in PAX East of this year, okay, uh, when Dave and I were teamed up, mm-hmm. all right, we were killing a bunch of things. We were killing uh, various bandits, yeah, animals, wolves, spiders, you know, exactly, and, you know, when we opened our various loot bags that were assigned to us, you know, we did get, we did receive logical things, like, you know, I killed a wolf, you know, I may have gotten a paw. You know, I may have gotten a piece of fur or a piece of wolf meat, what have you. Yep. Okay, as opposed to when I killed a, 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 like a humanoid-type creature, like a bandit, yeah, I may receive you know, a weapon. And it was a weapon that that person may have been using, like a dagger or a sword and a shield. So uh, same thing. Uh, I believe, you know, from what I, we experienced there, I think ESO is looking at that already, and they're aware of that. And uh, from what we've seen, they are addressing that. Okay, so you're not going to get, like, you know, you kill a mud crab, and all of a sudden you have the you know sword of a thousand truths in its gut, for some strange reason, mm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Okay, and and Shank, our our next one here from from Mike. Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, Mike asks, "Hey, ESOTR crew, I really enjoyed the ESS speculation." Oh, sorry, ES6 yeah, six, speculation yeah. podcast. <laughs> Even if its genesis was a lack of ESO news. Yeah, I love speculation, man. <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to ESO, but Elder Scrolls Six was is what I'm truly most excited about. I realize it's still likely several years away, but one of the things I'd love to see incorporated in it and in ESO if possible is a use of an out-of-game app for tablets or phones that would allow you to do smithing and alchemy and yes. enchanting of items yes. you've accumulated. I don't know how many times I've been at lunch and wanting to get some Skyrim action in. I'm an MMO noob. Me too, man. So if this is something that already exists, that would make me far more interested in ESO than I already am. A big part of the game for me is gathering and looting. So this would allow a player interested in those things to be in-game, even though even when they are away from it. Access to merchants to sell these wares would be fantastic as well. I've been listening since episode one, so thanks for giving me my Elder Scrolls while at work and away from games, Mike. Um, there's I, I totally agree with you. And um, I think, I mean, we're going to start seeing this a lot more uh, now, especially because 
obviously with the new consoles out, everyone is talking about a second screen experience and a companion app. Um, I actually have an app on my phone for Battlefield that uh, that gives me this sort of fix that you're talking about, allowing you to go tinkering with your loadouts with all this cool stuff that's in the game, even when you're not playing the game. And I totally agree with you. It's very, very fun if you're just, you know, at lunch or like just waiting in line to like pick up a pizza or something and you just like pull out your phone and you're like, okay, well, I know like back at home I have, you know, a bunch of pelts. Like why don't I just like make some cool armor and then I can sell it. It'll be ready when I get home and I can just go sell it. I think that's a great idea. Um, I don't know if they've announced anything like this for Elder Scrolls Online, but yeah. I cannot rule out the fact that they might implement something like this, uh, you know, post-launch. And for sure, Elder Scrolls Six, I, I guarantee you that they're going to have some sort of companion app uh, running with this. So I think it's a great idea. This was one of the things that I had actually specifically asked Paul Sage at all the way back at PAX East, almost a year ago at this point. And I asked him, um, do you think there will be an app for Elder Scrolls Online? And he didn't even know, like, it looked like he hadn't even considered, you know, the, the topic. Hopefully since then, you know, he, he has, or, you know, the reason why, uh, you know, Dave and I thought this would be a great idea to have on the show today is because, you know, we did ask and... Mm-hmm. Again, companion apps for MMOs, if done the right way, is is absolutely fantastic. Give me some way to, like Shank said, you know, maybe get into my crafting a little bit when it comes to, you know, the app. Or allow me to talk with my guildmates while I'm away. Give me a way to come up or find all the latest news. Give me a way to access the forums and interact on the forums and post on the forums as well. This is this is some of the stuff I'd love to see in in a in a in an app. What, what are you chuckling at, Lou? What do we got? Uh, I'm thinking of the how many more ways can I decrease my productivity while at work? <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly where this is going. <laughs> oh man! Jake, what's that report you're supposed to do on 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 third quarter marketing projections? Oh crap! Yeah. Hey, you know, but I made ten thousand septums on the market. Yeah. But, well, economy. <laughs> well, boss, I made some septums. And what would be awesome if he said, oh, hey, me too, and pulled out his phone. <laughs> I just undercut you in this region. You <laughs> bastard. <laughs> so you're my competition. <laughs> Kyle uh, is saying, get us that ESO Armory app, Ivarwin. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Is anyone fluent in any sort of ios sdk or some android sdk got it kyle in the chat okay kyle you can do it you're you're huge on youtube over there with the shoddy cast you should be asking this question too man you should be throwing it out there come on zoss please consider a a companion app for elder scrolls online you and your brother get on that i'm just gonna text paul sage right now and just ask go ahead yeah tell him call text him right now (laughs) <laughs> yes, septums don't exist. All right, gold pieces. Yeah, I made two thousand gold. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, our final email for the day comes from Tyler the Elf Gorb, who says, "Hello, Shank, Dave, and and others." <laughs> Next email. No. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely enough, he stops his email after that. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Um, I love that people are putting that as the title of their things now. Good, that is good stuff. That is the best thing ever. Uh, glorious. <laughs> like like Lou and I don't exist. <laughs> poor poor Lou. <laughs> oh, just, yeah. 
Poor Lou. And and Tyler says, I have been thinking about the last Elder Scrolls where Lou... Oh, okay, so Lou gets a special mention. I get the honorable mention. Lou talked about the different races of vampires, and a thought came up. In Elder Scrolls Online, you should be able to get different types of vampi- vampirism, like the Cyrodiilic vampires and the Volkahir, and other type each with their own special powers, like the Volkahirs, can freeze people and swim faster than other races, and so on and so forth. Yours truly, Tyler the Elf Gorb. Well, Tyler, I will direct this over to Lou, because apparently you hate me, and you don't want to talk to me, so... (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tyler, first of all, thanks for listening to the show. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Tyler, for listening to the show. Kicks a king. (laughs) And secondly, yeah, I, I think, you know, that, that would be a neat little, uh, I, I guess, feature they, they could add. Because uh, they have discussed that, you know, they will have werewolves, okay? So there will be lycanthropy, okay, and there will be vampires in the game. Now, whether or not they go into that much detail, uh, I don't think anyone knows. All right. Like, you know, because that, that actually would be a neat idea, but I don't know how complex that would make it. You know, how, how much more would that probably, you know... How much more of a headache that we get to the program is trying to decide, you know what, here's a vampire skill tree, but you know what, if we break it down into different classes, different types of vampires, you know, if you take these away from this skill set, you give them these, you know, it, it may lead to a much bigger mess than they would intend for it to have. So I, I, for me, I just think it would be easier just to have one overall skill set, you know, if they're going to have vampires and same thing, you know, one overall skill set of werewolves. You know, that way you, you don't, you don't, I guess, uh, overburden the player with so much to do that they get lost in it, you know? Mm. That it becomes a morass of choices as opposed to you have choices. You know, you see something definitive that you can build as opposed to having 20,000 different ways and you don't know where to go from there. Any reaction to this, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. Um, While I appreciate the thought that it would be a lot of work to implement... This is one of those things that the lore has expanded on to where it, it there is a distinction between them. So you couldn't just... I mean, if, if you pick one, I appreciate pick one. But if you pick one, it needs to be to that specific vampirism's, uh, you know, everything about it. Mm-hmm. They're specific... They're different from each other, as we heard over the last few weeks. You can't just, you know, throw it together, I guess. And it would kind of be like, they tried. Right. So, Dave, do you think you actually, it it would be possible? It wouldn't be that much, I guess, of a a headache? I mean, do you know, Lou, off the top of your head, if there is one type of vampirism? I mean, what, it would be that sanguinous vampiris? Wow, right. that's, that's, like a generic, that's like a generic base. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, this question doesn't make sense. They would have different. There are differentiations that they could program into the game, but you know, how difficult would that be? I guess that's what I'm trying to avoid. You know, having them, uh, not having go over that stumbling block. Right. Again, but if, if you think about it, when you're talking about the Daggerfall Covenant over there in Glenumbra, when you're talking about uh, the Aldmeri Dominion, if, even if when you're talking about the vampires over in, um in East March over in, in Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Those are different breeds of vampires. If you, 
when you if you're thinking lore specific and you say I have vampirism, that means a completely different thing if you're in the different areas. Well, right? I know I know Shank is is uh, chomping at the bit here to weigh in. What do you, what do you got oh. for us, dude? <laughs> I see. I I think that they should have multiple like like uh, like all the different races and all this stuff. But not for the like I'm I'm excited about that purely because I want to go and pit one faction against the other and profit off of it. And I'm being totally serious. I think that would be really cool. We know you are. I think honestly that'd be really cool because like they'd be like, Hey, like these like cult of vampires, they're they're trying to like gang up on our turf. Like, like let's just go, you know, and I could be like the middle. I think that would be so cool, man. Because that would sure open would. up so much opportunity. That'd be um, awesome. I want to. I want to just throw in. First of all, thank you everyone who who supported us this week by by sending us uh, some really awesome and very yes. very thoughtful emails. You guys are fantastic. I also want to, as we approach the bottom of the show right now, I want to thank the chat room. You guys are. I'm sorry I didn't interface with you as much as I I used to or or did the last couple of weeks, but for some reason I'm getting pulled in a lot of different directions mentally today. So. <laughs> I do apologize, uh, but you've been weighing in on a lot of stuff, and you guys are you guys are awesome. Uh, the community discussion does not stop here, not with our emails, not just with our chat room, but you can also find it at Quest Gaming Community, where our forums are. So go ahead and jump in there uh, today, right now, Aki, and uh, pull your car <laughs> over and register on our forums at uh, Quest Gaming Community, and and certainly join the discussion there as well, and and start talking about some of this stuff. Um. All right, so that that brings us over to the Elder Scroll, and today, Lou, the lore master Olan, has a really exciting feature that I am just loving. This I can't wait for him to get into. This is part one. Lou, please regale us on the Elder Scroll. Thank you, kind sir. And today's Elder Scroll, yes, part one, because after I was doing the notes this afternoon, I realized. This is a huge wall of text I'm about to put on the show. Can't do it. So, Elder Scroll. Faith and Tamriel. Going to go over a little book called Varieties of Faith in the Empire by brother Michael Cardcookser. He writes an expansive list of the pantheons and associated divine spirits of Tamriel's dominant cultures. And in the author's own words, he writes... This is my best attempt at a listing of the pantheons and associated divine spirits of Tamriel's dominant cultures. This list is by no means complete. The imperial city of Cyrodiil alone boasts a vast host of saints and holy spirits. It only includes the most important spirits revered by native members of the culture. Other Itada, especially Daedra, are often familiar known to many cultures, though specific names are included here only when they possess a particular cultural significance. The omission of any reference to the worships of the Argonians of Black Marsh is a result of my complete inadequacy in reconciling the obscure and contradictory accounts available to me on that subject. That's a please, Shank. <laughs> Part 1. The Eight Pantheons. Cyrodiil. Akatosh. Dibella. Arke. Zenithar. Mara. Stendar. Kinnereth. Julianos. Shazar, Tiber Septim, Morihars, Riemann, Skyrim, Alduin, Dibella, Orki, Soon, Mara, Stoon, Kine, Junal, Shore, Izmir, Herma Mora, 
Malok, Altmer, Oriel, Trinamac, Magnus, Sirabane, Ihlin, Xarxes, Mara, Stendar, Lorcan, Finaster, the Bosmer, again, Oriel, Ifl, RK, Zen, Xarxes, Bandar, Mara, Stendar, Lorcan, Hermamora, Jon, Jod, the Dunmer, Almalexia, Vivek, Sothasil, Thuithia, Mephala, Azura, Lorcan, Nerevar, Molagbal, Malakath, Shirgaroth, Mehrun Stegon, Yokuda, Sadakal, Rutka, Tuhwaka, Zet, Morhwa, Taba, Maluk, Deagna, Sep, Hunding, Leki, Onzi, Bretany, Akatosh, Magnus, Ifra, Debella, Arke, Zenithar, Mara, Stendar, Kinnereth, Julianus, Shior, Finaster, and elsewhere, Alkosh, Kinnerathi, Rilothar, Chakaje, Mara, Sarendar, Lorkaj, Rajin, Bandar, Azura, Shagarath. Part 2. Notes on the Divine Spirits of the Pantheons. And here's a little explanation of the little blurb each god. Akatosh, or the Dragon God of Time. Akatosh is the chief deity of the Nine Divines, the major religious cult of Cyril and its provinces. And one of two deities found in every Tamrielic religion, the other is Lorcan. He is generally considered to be the first of the gods to form in the beginning place. After his establishment, other spirits found the process of being easier and the various pantheons of the world emerged. He is the ultimate god of the Cyrodiilic Empire, where he embodies the qualities of endurance, invincibility, and everlasting legitimacy. Alduin, the World Eater Alduin is the Nordic variation of Akatosh and only superficially resembles his counterpart in the Nine Divines. For example, Alduin Sobriquet, the World Eater, comes from myths that depict him as the horrible, rape-ravaging firestorm that destroyed the last world to begin this one. Nords therefore see the god of time as both creator and harbinger of the apocalypse. He is not the chief of the Nordic pantheon. In fact, that pantheon has no chief. Seashore below. But it's Wellspring, albeit a grim and frightening one. Alkosh, the dragon king of cats. Pre-Nadata dynasty, and a queen and deity. A variation on the Altmeri Oriel, and thus an Akatosh as culture hero for the earliest Khajiiti. His worship was co-opted during the establishment of the Riddlethar, and he still enjoys immense popularity in elsewhere's wasteland regions. He is depicted as a fearsome dragon, a creature the Khajiit would say is just a real big cat. He repelled an early Admiri pogrom of Helena Whitestrake during mythic times. Amalexia, Mother Morrowind. Most traces of Akatosh disappeared from ancient Jumeir legends during their so-called exodus, primarily due to that god's association and esteem without Mary. However, most aspects of Akatosh, which seem so important to the mortal races, namely immortality, 
historicity, and genealogy have conveniently resurfaced in Almalexia, the most popular of Morrowind's divine tribunal. Arke, God of the Cycle of Life and Death. Member of the Nine Divides pantheon, and popular elsewhere as well. Arke is often more important in those cultures where his father, Akatosh, is either less related to time or where his time aspects are difficult to comprehend by the layman. He is the god of burials and funeral rites, and is sometimes associated with the seasons. His priests are staunch opponents of necromancy and all forms of the undead. It is said that Arke did not exist before the world was created by the gods under Lorcan's supervision, urging, or trickery. Therefore, he is sometimes called the mortal's god. Oriel, king of the Altmar. The elven Akatosh is Oriel. Oriel is the soul of Enuiel, who in turn is the soul of Enu the Everything. He is the chief of most Altmeri pantheons. Most Altmeri and Bosmeri claim direct descent from Oriel. In his only known moment of weakness, he agreed to take part in the creation of the mortal plane, that act which forever sundered the elves from the spirit worlds of eternity. To make up for it, Oriel led the original Aldmer against the armies of Lorcan in mythic times, vanquishing that tyrant and establishing the first kingdoms of the Altmer, Altmora and Eld Elnofe. He then descended to heaven in full observance of his followers so that they might learn the steps needed to escape the mortal plane. Azura, goddess of dusk and dawn. Azura was the god ancestor that taught the Chimera the mysteries needed to be different than the Altmer. Some of her more sorry, conventional teachings are sometimes attributed to Boethia. In the stories, Azura is often more a communal cosmic force for the race as a whole than an ancestor or a god, also known as the anticipation of Sothasil. And elsewhere, Azura is nearly a wholly separate entity, yet she is still tied to the origin of Khajiiti out of Altmeri's stock. Bandar, the bandit god. In most regions, Bandar is a marginal deity, a trickster, spirit of thieves, and beggars. And elsewhere, he is more important and is regarded as the pariah. In this aspect, Bandar becomes the cleverness or desperate genius of the long shepherd Khajiit, whose last minute plans always accept the machinations of their elven or human enemies. Boethia, the prince of plots. Heralded by the prophet Veloth, Boethia is the original god ancestor of the Dark Elves. Through his illuminations, the eventual Chimera or changed folk renounced all ties to the Almer and founded a new nation based on Daedric principles. All manner of Dark Elven cultural advances are attributed to Boethia, from philosophy to magic to responsible architecture. Ancient Velothi allegories are uniformly heroic successes of Boethia over enemies of every type. Foundation stories of Chimera's struggle also known as the anticipation of Almalexia. Diagna, the Orichalc god of the sideways blade. Hori, thuggish cult of the Red Guards. Originated in Yakuta during the 27th snake folk slaughter. Wow, I can't say that 10 times fast. Diagna was an avatar of the Hunding, the Yakutan god of Make Way, that achieved permanence. He was instrumental to the defeat of the left-handed elves as he brought Orchalk weapons to the Yakutan people to win the fight. In Tamriel, he led a very tight-knit group of followers against the orcs of Orsinium during the height of their ancient power, but then faded into obscurity. He is now little more than a local power spirit of the Dragon Tail Mountains. Dibella, 
goddess of beauty, popular god of the nine divines. In Cyrodiil, she has nearly a dozen different cults, some to the women, some to artists and aesthetics, and others to erotic instruction. Hey, <laughs> Herma Mora, the woodland man. Ancient Moran demon who at one time nearly seduced the Nords into becoming Aldmer. Most Isgrimor myths are about escaping the wilds of old Hemamora. Also called the Demon of Knowledge, he is vaguely related to the cult origins of the Morag Tong, the Forester's Guild, if only by association with his brother slash sister, Mafala. Hunding, the Makeway God. Yakudin's spirit of perseverance over infidels. The Hunding has historically materialized wherever the Red Guards need to make way for their people. In Tamilic history, this has only happened three times. Twice in the First Era during the Ragada invasion, and once during the Tiber War. In this last incarnation, the Hunding was said to have been either a sword or a crown, or both. Junal, Rune God, the Nordic God of Hermetic Orders. After falling out of favor with the rest of that pantheon, he became Julianus of the Nine Divines. He is absent in modern Skyrim mythology. Jode, Big Moon God. Elmeri God of the Big Moon, also called Master or Mara's Tear. In Khajiji religion, Jode is the only one aspect of the lunar lattice or Jakeje. Shon, Little Moon God. Elmeri God of the Little Moon also called Secunda or Stendar's Sorrow. In Khajiji religion, Joan is only one aspect of Lunar Lattice or Jakeje. Julianos, God of Wisdom and Logic. Often associated with Junal, the Nordic father of language mathematics, no, Julianos is a certain god of literature, law, history, and contradiction. Manastic orders founded by Tyrus Septim and dedicated Julianos are the keepers of the Elder Scrolls. Kine, or kiss at the end. Nordic goddess of the storm, widow of shore and favorite god of warriors. She is often called the mother of men. Her daughters taught the first Nords the use of the thum, or storm voice. Kinnereth, the goddess of air. Kinnereth is a member of the nine divines, the strongest of the sky spirits. In some legends, she is the first to agree to Lorcan's plan to invent the mortal plane and provide the space for its creation in the void. She is also associated with rain, a phenomenon said not to occur before the removal of Lorcan's divine spark. Leki, saint of the spirit sword, goddess daughter of Tall Papa, Leki is the goddess of aberrant swordsmanship. The Na Totambu of Yakuda wore to a standstill during the mythic era to decide who would lead the charge against the left-handed elves. Their sword masters, though, were so skilled in the best-known cuts as to be matched evenly. Lucky introduced the ephemeral feint. Afterwards, a victory emerged and the war with the Almer began. Lorcan, the missing god. The creator, trickster, tester, deity is in every Tamriolic mythic tradition. His most popular name is Almeri Lorcan, or Doom Drum. He convinced or contrived the original spirits to bring about the creation of the mortal plane, upsetting the status quo, much like his father Padme had introduced instability into the universe in the beginning place. After the world has materialized, Lorcan is separated from his divine center, sometime involuntarily, and wanders the creation of the Etada. 
He and his metaphysical placement in the scheme of things is interpreted in a variety of ways. In Marwin, for example, he's being related to the Sigic Endeavor, a process by which mortals are charged with transcending to the gods that created them. To the High Elves, he is the most unholy of all higher powers, as he forever broke the connection to the spirit plane. In the legends, he is almost always an enemy of the Almer and therefore a hero of early mankind. Lorkaj, the Moon Beast, a pre and Dada dynasty, and a queen and deity, easily identified with the missing god Lorcan. And this ends part one. Tune in next week, or tune in next time, I should say, <laughs> when we continue our look at the pantheons of faith in Tamriel. And as always, I want to say thank you to the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages, the Elder Scrolls wiki, and the Imperial Library for all the information they have at their disposal. Take a look at the site, folks. With information, you won't regret it. Thanks again, Lou. That was a fantastic part one. I'm looking forward to part two. Um, we have a we have a couple of things that we wanted to mention before um, before we we start heading off. And uh, and that is this when it uh, when it comes to next week's episode, it's it's going to be falling on Thanksgiving. So like we did the previous years, uh, we're just not going to have a show next week. So two weeks from now will be the next Elder Scrolls off the record. Um, also regarding uh, ESO Alliance, I spoke with uh, Andrew from Tamriel Foundry and um, Kyle and Josh from Shoddycast, and. We're going to hold off on doing this month, which we were actually going to do tomorrow. So so Friday the 22nd, we were going to have ESL Alliance, um, but we have it on good authority that something really interesting will be available for us to present on the show. And December 6th, uh, which is you know two weeks from uh, from this Friday... We'll, we're going to have ESO Alliance. So, so not, not November 22nd, which is, which is tomorrow, um, but rather December 6th, we will have the next episode of ESO Alliance. So I, I'm sorry that November wasn't a month for us to, to do the show. We do like to do it every single month, uh, but we think we're going to have something really exciting for, uh, for you guys on the 6th. So that's why we're holding it off. If it were anything else, believe me, the 22nd would be, would be the day. Um, all right. And that brings us over to our QGN community segment. So for those of you who follow this show and also for quest gaming network, uh, for, for the many of you, this episode in our chat room, who just followed our Twitch channel, first of all, thank you very much for following us on Twitch. Please follow us on, on YouTube as well. Thank you for being a part of the community. And this segment is for you, Dave, please. Absolutely. Uh, check us all of our all of our latest and greatest Elder Scroll news, general gaming, and how to join us with our wonderful growing community. All starts at elderscrollsofftherecord.com. You can email the show at elderscrollsofftherecord at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at elderscrollsotr. That's for the show. Evarwin is at E V A R W Y N. Lou is at GamerGuy 11B. I am at D I E N Force. And Shank is at Shank Less Than Threes Argonians. Boo. No, for all. Shank is at Shank <laughs> T H Tank. 
Uh, you can also find all of our great shows at questgamingnetwork.com. Remember, if you go there or to any of our sites, you can click on the donate button to donate to all, any of our shows. $10 gets a special mention if you prefer. Uh, you need to say what episode you, or show you'd like it to be on, and any amount donated is a big help to the network. Helps uh, fund our evil, evil gaming habits. <laughs> Follow our... <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Follow our other shows like Rift Off the Record Live. That's Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Follow it on Twitter at RiftOTR. Dungeon Quest. We just wrapped up our first season. Stay tuned for season two news on DQ Podcast at Twitter at DQ Podcast. And Totally Heroes. Mondays at 10 p.m. Eastern at Totally Heroes. They're acceptable. (laughs) our forums remember you can sign up there at questgamingcommunity.com sign up talk to us ask all your questions we're always in there checking it out yell at us we love it like us and follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash elder scrolls off the record and remember, you can check out all of our gaming videos, how-to guides, and podcasts live at twitch.tv slash Network, or check out any of them that you may have missed or would just like to watch again at youtube.com slash Network. The uh, chat room asked a very interesting question. Since we're not doing one in November, uh, ESO Alliance, I should say, since, since we're not doing an ESO Alliance in November... Are we going to have a a second one in December? Uh, What I told them was that was a very good idea. I do like the idea. Of course, um, I don't do the show by myself. Uh, We do it, uh, obviously, with with Kyle and Josh from ShoddyCast and also with uh, Andrew from Tamriel Foundry. I will ask them. And if they are interested in doing a second ESO Alliance before the year is out, we'll have one out. It all depends on what the news cycle looks like in December. And uh, we'll we'll go from there. Maybe there'll be some reaction points that we can we can throw out there as well. Wow, great episode, guys! Fantastic. Uh, let's start with our final thoughts, Shank. Um, I really like what I saw with uh, with the map, and um, it just reminded me of the. It, it just kind of it just kind of like assured me of like the Elder Scrolls roots that this game has and the fact that they showed off and you could actually zoom in, click in and see screenshots yeah. um, of places that uh, we're familiar with. For example, the Rift and East March. It, that, that's very comforting to know to someone like me and to other Elder Scrolls peers that, you know, they're, they are, you know, trying really, really hard to, to stay true and grounded to the, to the Elder Scrolls roots and recreating that, that feeling and atmosphere. So that made me really happy. I'm, I definitely want to go tinker around with the map a little bit more. And Lou, your final thoughts? Wow, a whole bunch of them. Uh, but my main was the fact that I want to go back to uh, our second point of discussion, which is the Skyrim Minecraft mashup. You know, I still want to say, you know, for all, even for myself, just for myself, two years later, still playing the game, still interested in seeing anything, everything about it. Yep. And the fact that its appeal is so strong to this day that another popular game is saying, hey, you know what? Can we borrow stuff from you guys? <laughs> you know, hmm. can, can we get a license to you know, take some of your stuff and bring it to ours hmm. and enrich our game too? 
you know, I, I think that, that says a lot to the staying power and popularity of the game when, you know, another gaming community wants to say, you know, we want to take your stuff because we want to enjoy our world but also have parts of your world and ours as well and enrich our experience. And to me that says, you know, the game is still as good as ever. You know, it's still going strong. And Dave? Oh, man. Thinking back on this episode, I've played too many MMOs. I played too many games. I'm, I'm, I have uh, very strong opinions, and I want to thank y'all for who you who listen for dealing with me ranting, especially Varwin, <laughs> because I know me and him butted heads this episode. Man, I love you for it because did we? Oh well, on the 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 agree to disagree points, that man, that got my blood running, and it was fun. Hey, that's not. That's not that's not butting heads, dude. But butting heads is that's not butting heads. That is was, that is. I, I didn't say it was is a bad thing. It was great. We had a great conversation from it, absolutely. and I'm glad that we we do have those different opinions in this group. It's a great thing. I I legitimately wanted to hear your opinion, and I wanted you to teach me why you thought what you were thinking because I honestly thought during that whole discussion that there was something I was not getting, and that you were going to give me the answer to it and uh that's 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 what this show is all about believe it or not this is about about people coming together who share who share this love for for elder scrolls and just spitballing ideas together and then throwing it out there for the world to listen to and hopefully we we all learn and enjoy more and also to share you know the 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 world of of tamriel sure but um uh, yeah i i think that was that was definitely why is shank here shank's amazing because I'm the I'm the man. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the uh, the end of of Elder Scrolls Off the Record episode ninety. Ten more to go until our one hundredth episode. Holy God, I can't believe we made it this far, and we're going even further. Um, we've got a nice a nice long and bright future ahead of us. Elder Scrolls Off the Record is a Quest Gaming Network production in association with the Middle Earth Network. Good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us. See you all again next time. Have a great one, everybody. Fus Rota. Till next time, guys. Shadow hide you. Take care, everyone. Be safe, and may the Fus be with you. Fus Rota!